What's up, cutie? So on today's episode, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen Julia and you've seen Nons. Maybe Twisted Tea Tuesday sounds familiar. Maybe seeing us on some TikTok sounds familiar. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of our friendship and uh, let's do this. What's up, cuties? And welcome to A Little Extra with Izzy. I'm your girl, Izzy Blaze. You know, growing up, I was always told I was too much, and then I embodied being a little extra. So join me for those electric highs, those disastrous lows, and all the beautiful chaos in between. Let's go! What's up, cuties? They let me back in the studio again. I mean, they changed the locks, but I never backed down from a challenge. So we're going to start off with gratitude as we always practice gratitude, three things that I'm thankful for today. So my best friends are actually in the studio. As you guys know, it's usually just me on the podcast when my best friends are in the studio. I got cheese, nons, and Julie, so I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm also stoked on the weather because it's forcing me to work. Not that I'm having any issues because I'm here all the time, but it's really nice to be able to come and just focus for a couple of hours. And the third one is friendships. I've made a lot of really new friendships recently, just a lot of people in the creative space. So that's been really nice. It's been really inspiring me. Probably why I've gotten so much more work done in the last three weeks. I'd take you what? Girl, if I could just pay my bills and then just get lady all the time, that's literally what I would do. So we're talking about friendships. And so a lot of times I think of when people are like, oh, Izzy, I wish I was your friend. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if you really wish that. But you think you do. But I don't know if you really do. So the way I always start off the story is I had a really had past tense, a really awesome group of friends growing up in Houston. We would go out together. We would hang out on the weekends. We were literally a group of five of us. It was probably one of the coolest friendships I ever had. Would I mean, I was going to college two and a half hours away. I remember one day being super heartbroken. They all drove down that afternoon. They stayed with me for 24 hours and they drove again at 5 a.m. to go back to work. We would go and hang out and literally my life felt so complete. I was like, I would never live, leave Houston. Like, why would I leave these friendships? Like, I know if anything ever happens, they got me. I remember one time I almost did get in a fight and we were at the club and like, if you know me, I like to dance. And so they made like the circle around me to protect me. And... That was kind of like the last good memory I have before everything went pretty wrong and terrible. And I had this one best friend in that group who was like my diehard friend. Like I put my life on the line for her. Like I gave her a friendship that I never gave anyone else. And I think it was because she was so hesitant in getting to know me and really liking anyone. She was this person that they were like, oh, this is blank. She doesn't like anyone. And I remember her girlfriend saying that to me and stuff. And when her and I met, it was almost like instant. Like I had known her my whole life. Like I was like, you hate everyone, but you don't hate me. And that was a friendship that changed my life. I really let myself be myself around her. I would cry. I was always having hard conversations. I was just really, really probably like the best way I, shoot, I would show up as a friendship when I was younger. And then when our friendships grew apart, she said that I was a bitch and that my loyalty was wrong. And she was really hurtful because I was like, my loyalty is wrong, dude. I was like, I know you did what you're being accused of, but you won't even own up to it. And I was like, I have pictures. I have proof from the person it happened with, but you don't want to admit it. And you're telling me that I'm a bitch and that my loyalty is skewed. 
it's because I didn't condone her behavior. So that friendship went from a collective of five to a collective of two. Interestingly enough, the other person that left that group was also kind of involved in that person's life as well. And um, it was kind of said the same thing. The other two friends who chose to be with the friend that I broke apart from basically said the same thing to her. So we're sitting here being like, dude, we did everything for you and it wasn't enough. I showed up the best version of me and that wasn't enough. So when was it going to be enough? If I was a piece of shit friend, it probably wouldn't have been enough and you wouldn't have been my friend. And it kind of sucks because you like, you realize we are told all the time, like we have this dream, right? You're going to get, you're going to grow up. You're going to get married. Fairy tales are, there's a princess and you're going to find the prince and they're going to be happy, happily ever after. We have this, we're sold this fucking idea of love, but they don't warn you about friendships. They don't tell you that the friendships are going to be the biggest heartbreak because you choose each other every day. You're not saying, okay, well, we're going to date, we're going to add a title, and then we're going to get married, then we're going to have kids. You don't have that with friends. You have that, I'm going to rock with you, I'm going to be a part of your life, I'm going to stand beside you. Some friends have your back, some friends stand in front of you. You see in the end the people who kind of leave you when they get to where they need to be, or the people who stab you in the back the first opportunity that you turn around. So I spent eight years literally hating this person, dude, hating this person, anytime somebody would bring her up, anything, anything like that, she would ask around and be like, dude, shut the fuck up. What part of I do not like you and I don't fuck with you do you not understand? I was so disrespectful, so rude. And she even said it. She was like, I left you alone because I knew that that's the way you've always been. Once you have that cord cut, it's done. And I've always been that way. I don't need to give people opportunities. If you did the job right the first time, you wouldn't have to go back a second or a third. Now, I was super brash because of her. I didn't trust anyone. I was like, I gave you everything. I was so vulnerable, so exposed, and you were so quick to walk away. And she knew that. She knew that because I've always been somebody who is super social, well-liked. Most of the time, people want my energy, then they leave, and then there I am carrying more weight than is mine and exhausted because no one can fill my cup. I think a lot of the time I was promoting that suffering because I chose to let that transgression dictate all of my other friendships. So then I'm here older, you know, 27, 28, coming around to this point of being almost 30. And I'm like, well, who would be in my life if I had kids? Who would be in my life if like my parents come into town? Like who's going to, who is going to be in my life? Really? I didn't want to just have friends to go drink with. I didn't want to have just friends that I would see whenever we would go do like some shows or something. I needed people consistently in my life, whether I was happy or sad And I was craving it so much because that rejection from her breathed this obsession in me where I was like, I'm good enough and I know I'm good enough. I'm a great fucking friend, but I'm just not good enough for you, which means I'm probably not going to be good for anyone else. So why would I let anybody else in? Like, why even go through it? Just push people away. Give them surface level, very little commitment, and then you don't have to worry about it. So I spent like eight years doing that. And I just felt okay in that because I was like, people are always going to like me whether I fuck with them or not. So it is what it is. And that was such an ignorant way to view things. I was like, why am I looking for validation from other people if I don't even validate myself and I immediately invalidate others? So one of the hardest relationships that I really had to work on was my ex-girlfriend. We were together for seven and a half years. I lived in that house. It was brutal, you know? And I was like, well, what's one way that I can support her, love her unconditionally? And I was like, the basketball games, 
the basketball games that she was on, you know, and I would go and watch her. And the very first game I ever saw was she was on a team with a whole nother group of people playing against their basketball team, right? Julie and non. So I know that if you, if I walk into a room, you're going to notice me. And if you don't see me, you're going to hear me. Okay. Facts. Quote me on that. Anybody who's in my life knows you are going to hear me. I will yell anywhere. So we go to this game and I'm like, how do I just go and support her and be like super, you know, like a really good, like friend, like, yeah, you know? So all of my other friends were going. So I was like, cool. I was like, my name's Izzy and I'm going to go ahead and take the role of cheerleader. So as you can imagine, I'm yelling, like, even if they suck, even if they're messing up, I just, I'm like, yeah, you got this. You look good out there doing it. Woo. Like yelling. Right. And then I would bring other friend, my other friend, Eric, and he would yell too. So we would yell obnoxiously. Like it would be annoying. I knew that I was, I was, I was annoyed and I was the one that was doing it. Right. So then there would be moments where I would go and watch the games and they would actually play before her team. So I would come early and I became friends with some of the moms on their team. Right. And so I'm there and I'm watching it and like, they all are, they all have tattoos and stuff. Like it's kind of intimidating in their own way. Right. And they're not like wearing makeup. They don't look approachable. Like it looks like if you like cut them off on the wrong way in the court, they're going to come for you. Like they're going to wait in the parking lot. Little did I know I was that bitch. I was waiting in the parking lot, but so I'm going and I'm cheering and I'm going to these games and there's that. And the world's really small out here. And I don't recognize that because I'm not originally from here like that, but there's a lot of synchronicities, right? So I go to this Kickstarter event for my friend, Sam, she's about to move to LA and they're trying to raise money. And we're sitting there and Julia's there. Granted, I don't know Julia's name, but I know the girl from the basketball team, right? So she comes up to me and we're like right there. And she was like, are you from the basketball games? And one of my friends over here, she's like, Izzy, you play basketball? I was like, no, 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 I don't play basketball. <laughs> but yes, I go to the games, right? So we go and we're, and we're hanging out and we just hit it off. And so we get a drink. The first one was great. We get a second drink and I'm like, what is this concoction? It is like a smoky, like really robust drink where I'm like, I want to drink it because I'm courteous, but like, I don't want to drink it because that's the kind of chick I am. I'm like, this is terrible. Who put this poison in my body? Oh, that's right. Myself. So we hang out um, a bit and we text and we end up getting along really well. And we end up having like some pretty like deep conversations early on. Like she really opened herself up to me and I could tell that it was like an outlet because I'm completely separate from her life and vice versa. And at this time I was working at Tetra and I saw that she had been hanging out with nons a bit. So I'm like, oh, well, it's going to be the Raiders Broncos game. You guys should come hang out at Tetra. You know, we'll drink, we'll smoke. Like, you don't have to do anything. You just come. And so we all hang out. We're drinking. There's actually a video of Julia and I shotgunning a beer or something outside in the backyard of Tetra that day. Number Nons being there. And Julia didn't really smoke, but Nons, um, she does. And so Nons was loving it. She was like, there's weed everywhere. I was like, what do you want? You want some more weed? What do you want? And she was like, she was getting everything. Weed, there was drinks, everything. You could have it. And it was such a good time. And then we became like inseparable and probably one of the best memories. And we'll definitely get into this when we get on shenanigans with my shouties. And they were like, yeah, we'll just go really quick. It was after basketball game. Like they were in their shorts, their slides, like quick. Right. And it was just like a Tuesday. It was still pretty early, maybe like eight thirty, nine o'clock. And they're like, we'll just go for a drink or two. It's not a big deal. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to go by myself, whatever. So we're going. And then little do we know we rack up like $150 tab on a Tuesday. We're all drinking, dancing, like acting like we have no responsibilities the next day. And at that time, Nons had a job that was like at 4 a.m., right? 
So she had already been contemplating at this time, not going. Right. And so we're sitting there, we're all talking to her and by the end of the night, Nance quits her job. We're all shit faced. It's a Tuesday and here we are. It was just like this whole thing. I'm like, what's a Tuesday? That is probably the worst question you could ever ask somebody when somebody's like, Hey, do you want to go do this? And you're like, why dude, it's Wednesday. I'm like, so what? Because that's just how it goes. So we end up becoming friends and, um, we just started hanging out all the time, doing things together. And during the pandemic, um, like they were there for my birthday. They were there for the glitter bong bash. We got a lot of, we did a lot of stuff together and, um, it was probably around, let me think, probably like March, April, probably the beginning of April. That girl from eight years ago crosses my paths again. And I was like, my initial, for some reason, my initial reaction in that moment was be nice. And I was like, that's not how I feel, you know? And I remember telling the person I was dating at the time, I was like, Hey, I was like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. And then I was like, you know, the reason why I was so like my, my hooks were so embedded in Julia was because Julia reminded me of that person. And, you know, a lot of the time to say, you can't heal um, like with someone, but you can heal going through a journey with someone. Right. And I realized that like, if that happened between Julia and I, would I forgive her? If I had that choice right there, would I forgive her? And I was like, yeah, I would. So I decided to call her and I was like, Julia taught me the forgiveness of one. It's like, we were so young and me being the person that I am, like it had no, nothing to do with her. And that I expected, because I gave her this amount of love, that she should have met me there too. But we all show love differently, right? And so, like, I'm a very affectionate person, you know, and I'm a very words of affirmation person. And my friends are very different. Julia isn't that way in the sense of, like, how Brenda was, you know what I mean? Like, she was like that with me. Julia's like that with me. But probably not with the grand scheme of all these other people, right? So I was like, she taught me to trust that I could have a friend. One, we didn't even know each other. We were very different. You know what I mean? Julia has a kid. You know, she's like in her own job. She does her own thing. Like she has her life. And then I have mine, which is like this like chaos, right? But it just works. I just fit in these like pockets, right? And Julie, like she never skipped a beat in who I was. I could tell her, dude, I like stabbed somebody yesterday and I just left him on the side of the road, but like this, this, and she'd be like, okay, well, how are you? Are you okay? Like, I get it, dude. I would have probably done the same thing. Like, even if she doesn't agree, bro, she just, she would hold space. And even in the moments I know where it's probably hard and like, we don't know how to hold space for me because sometimes I can just like not know where I'm trying to get or what I need. She'll do that. And it never skipped a beat, you know? And it's like what I had said about cheese when we talked about in previous is, it didn't matter how I showed up. He just cared that I would show up, right? It didn't matter what I had. And so it was like this full acceptance of like, Izzy, I love you for who you are, not what you bring to the table. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah, I know you're a little crazy. Yeah, I know you have a big mouth sometimes. Yeah, I know you want to cry all the time. And you're doing all these things I know, but it's like, she's never left. So no matter what conversation or what thing like that. So I call her and we talk for two hours and I... She's like, I'm not going to say anything because I know that there's something you need to say. And I was like, damn fucking right. And all I said was, I want you to admit that you were wrong. 
and that this really did happen and she didn't. I was like, and that's all it took. And I was like, but for eight years, you told me that I was a bitch and my loyalty was skews. And I was like, and I believe that I let somebody dictate the value of friend that I was. And I was like, I didn't give people an opportunity for eight years. Like that's so fucked up for somebody who gives so much love. Like I spent eight years not receiving that. That was fucked up. Right. So I was like, I need you to forgive me for how mean I was. And I was like, but you have to forgive me for like being so brash, you know, cause I don't think that anybody deserves that. Like we all make mistakes. I don't believe in cancel culture and we were young and there was so much responsibility and we put so much expectations on each other because we were all we had. So we carried more weight than we needed to. And we didn't also take enough responsibility because we were young. We didn't need to. It was chaotic. It's like, I know that I'm not going to marry this person. I know that they, like it didn't matter because we just moved on and I just couldn't let it go. You know, so I spent those eight years pushing everyone away where I probably could have had some really great friendships if I would have given them the opportunity. But I said, well, instead of before I even let them down, let's just not even give them an opportunity. But really it was like I was protecting something that wasn't being threatened. I allowed that that bad experience to dictate what friendship looked like, what love looked like, and how I showed up. When all I ask is for consistency, like consistency, right? And so it's if I'm going to show up that way, I just want that from other people. And one person, like, you know what I mean? It's like what I say, you got drunk that one time and you threw up. Did you go drink again? Probably. You probably did, you little dirty dog, you. So I forgive Brenda and I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? And so that kind of opened me to Julia in a different sense. And so when I opened myself to Julia, I opened myself up to Nons. You know, in the beginning, it was like Nons was Julia's friend. Like we were just getting to know each other. And then I think Nons and I just started, Nons, since she smoked, she started to come to Tetra with me, right? And so she would come to Tetra and like, Every per- person that I would put nons in front of, she would just be a fucking social butterfly. I'm like, all right, reel it in. Don't let people like you that much. This is my friend. Chill out. Okay. I was like, be shitty so that they don't want to come around anymore. And so we would hang out and it allowed me to trust nons in the sense of like this safety and security. Like I could tell nons something and I know that she won't tell people. Now I'm not telling her. I mean, they do know some secrets, but they don't say anything they also don't judge each other because that's probably why we're able to show up with each other so much and be like yo this is what I did or this is how I'm feeling they're like yeah it's normal to feel that way you just got to do the right thing about it right and so I'm learning forgiveness I'm learning trust and I'm learning to be vulnerable so in that like I started to use them as a standard for my friends that were women you know like cheese was a big standard for guys because he always showed up for me It didn't matter what the fuck I was doing, if I was failing at every goddamn project or if I wasn't, if I was mad or not, like he showed up. And then I was like, well, if if all my homies that are guys can like meet that standard because I say it, then why can't they meet me the same way? But the thing is that they were already kind of setting that standard where I now know no different. Like I tell people all the time, like, yeah, I was like, I, I was like, we can be acquaintances, but like, I don't fuck with you. And that's okay. But it's like, I'm not grasping for straws because I traded in 30 people who didn't give a damn for seven who do. You know what I mean? No matter where I go when I travel, like when I travel, they'll send me snaps of them drinking and taking a shot or something. And my thing in my head is always, and I tell Julie this too, is I feel like no one notices when I'm gone. I say it all the time, you know? And then I started noticing that they do, they, they do miss me. They do text me because they're the ones that check on me whenever I do anything, you know? And so... 
in learning like this trust and this vulnerability and feeling safe and secure, I started to stop scurrying around for friends, stop scurrying around for love, realizing that like I was building a foundation of unconditional love from people who genuinely chose me every day. So if you didn't choose me, I didn't give a damn because I had a group of people who do. So when I had that, like people are like, what made you shift during the pandemic? And I was like, it was the love and the support that I had from people. Now people say that all the time, but it's really like, I have finally felt so safe in my friendships and in my relationships, like with my family and stuff that I know that if I fail tomorrow and nobody gives a fuck about what I'm doing, they're still going to be right there cheering me on, telling me that I fucking did it, that I that at least tried. So for the first time in my life, I can fall and know that I'll be caught. And it's like, I'm about to be 30 and I know a lot of people are like feeling chaotic because they're like, oh, I wish I had friends like this or, oh, I wish, you know, like people liked me or in, in, in all of those things. It's like, it can happen. And sometimes it has a funny way of working out. You know what I say is God takes away the things that don't serve you to bring in the things that will serve you. You got to declutter. If you're going to go shopping like me, you got to declutter and bring the clothes in, right? You have to get rid of stuff to make space for the stuff that matters. So now I do allow more people to come in and hang out and be a part of me, but I don't give them the side of me that like my actual friends get. But I don't think that like without Julia, I don't think that I would have had that forgiveness. Therefore, I really don't think I would have had any friends because I think right now, like it's easy surface level. I can literally, like I told you the other day, Eric, I said, I can look at you. We could spend 30 minutes together. And I guarantee that when I leave one, you're going to feel extremely close to me. And two, you're going to feel like you know me, but you don't, right? And so the people who do know me do. And so I've also learned the balance that like not everybody gets the best parts of you and that's okay because the people who do get the best part of you are giving you that too. I can't recharge and recoup even if I'm around 30 people who tell me that they love me, but I don't know them. I can recharge and recoup with one of these people in the room and be fine. But that's the thing is like now I found these like, like these pillars, these generators of like love and support who now don't just love me. They love me the way that I like want to be loved while also trying to understand like how I can show up for them. And so without that opportunity to forgive, I didn't have that acceptance. And so now like I love my friends and I love my life. And so really without Julia and Nons, like I don't think I would be halfway as happy or safe when I would leave. Like I always felt like I had to escape you know what I mean? Like go somewhere and escape. But what I do is I go, I explore, and then I come back because I'm so excited to be home. So that's, that's probably the best gift too is people are going to hurt you. And yeah, you can say, dude, what if, what if it goes wrong? But what if it doesn't? What if you end up racking up $150 tab on a Tuesday? I tell you what, I tell you what. So I hope that you kind of take inventory of your life. Look at the people that you have in your life. Yes, you need to cut some of them off and it ain't nothing to cut that bee off. You know that. But nurture and love the people who really are there for you because when the world falls down and you have nothing to give, who's really going to be there for you? 